Hi, I'm Candace Michelle, and this is Our Community. You know, driving down the coast road yesterday, I thought, as I so often do, we live in paradise. And I felt so lucky because this is our backyard, right? This isn't something I come visit every now and again. And looking out at that sparkling Pacific, I marveled about that. And it's truly a sight to see. One of those picture-perfect days that reminds us about why we live here. Then a few miles further on, I saw the sign by the road, it, And I was reminded of the other side of that coin. What happens during the winter with the horizontal rain, the erosion, and the road slippage. Because as beautiful as it is, we do live on the edge of a geographical plate. And the question about the big one isn't if, it's when. And the next question is, are we prepared? Joining me today is the one person in Curry County who knows the answer to that question. Emergency Operations Manager for Curry County, Monica Ward. Hi, Monica. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good. Welcome to the show. It's so nice to see you. It's good to see you, too. So the first question, of course, when anybody you know, says Monica Ward is, are you related to Sheriff Ward? I am not. My wards come from the Ohio, Kentucky area. Oh, okay. And where Ohio, Kentucky area? So my family's from that area, but my grandmother moved to northern Indiana, and Mm -hmm. I was raised in northern Indiana, right there on the Michigan state line, in a beautiful area called Michiana, which is the whole state line area. Oh, wow. Wow. Huh. And you told me something about Amish country? Yes. Tell me about that. So I grew up in an Amish community, so a very blended culture, Mm. and I worked in the cornfields for many years. Did you? I did. So were you harvesting corn? I mean, what were you doing? I was a detasseler, which is a great job for those of us who are not old enough to actually work in a factory. Wow. Um, So when you're looking at pictures of cornfields, they always have these brown stems, let's call them at the very top. Those are called tassels. Yep. So we would go through and handpick all of those off because if they were to actually fertilize, it would turn into sweet corn. And by detasseling, you're making seed corn for the next year. Oh, I am amazed. I'm amazed. I... My grandparents had a dairy farm and I spent every summer at the dairy farm because that's where I wanted to be. And my grandfather had fields of corn, right? Because he had dairy cow. Um, And I remember there was always a distinction between sweet corn and feed corn, but I didn't know that it was actually from the same, that it had to do with the whole tassel thing. That's amazing. Oh, yep, look at it, what I learned. Pretty much you, you fixed the plant so it couldn't reproduce. Wow. And that's how we got seed corn. Um, you learned so much working in the cornfields wow. growing up. Yeah. Well, there's something really sweet to me about 
being on a farm that, I mean, you're so close to the actual growing process and it's, I loved it. I just, I just absolutely loved it. I was never a big city girl. I'm, I'm all always was a farm girl. That's always what I've liked. So, yeah, I, I tried the city life. I lived in Indianapolis for about a decade, and mm. I really do not miss it. Well, actually, I miss my Chicago deep dish pizza. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> outside of that, I really don't miss the big city life. And are always little things that you do miss, you know, I mean, you, people will say, well, I miss, you know, a nightlife or I, I miss being able to go to the mall or, you know, but, but there's a whole lifestyle that happens when you're in rural America that is just a, it's a different, it's a different lifestyle. It's, it's the lifestyle I, I prefer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you grew up in Indiana-ish. Yep. Indiana, Michigan-ish. <laughs> um, and what kind of education do you get when you are looking at emergency management? What is that? So I got into emergency management through the Army National Guard. I was recruited to a disaster response team, and we spent a lot of time taking FEMA courses and hazmat courses so that we could easily integrate into a response with our civilian counterparts. And I fell in love with the career field, and I ended up moving to West Virginia to become a trainer and evaluator for those disaster response teams and always had the desire to pursue my master's degree in emergency management. But I never had time to... Right actually go to school, then COVID occurred. <laughs> and I finally had time to go to school because Isn't we were not amazing. traveling. Isn't it amazing to me? You know, I, I talk to people and, and we talk about how, how awful COVID has been and, you know, all of that. But there have been some real hidden gems that have come about because of COVID. I mean, the, the way that we are recording this interview right now, came literally came across because of COVID because we, we could, we had to close the studio down. So, so somehow we had to figure out how to do it from our homes. And, and so we do. Yeah. It's amazing. What the, the, my, my dear friend, Lori calls it a gift wrapped in sandpaper and it certainly feels like it. So you went and you, you went to school and got your degree and yeah, I uh, graduated this past May, so Excellent. I officially have my master's degree, and Excellent. hopefully I'll be starting my doctorate in the next year or two. Um, Excellent. Really excited to do that. Not stressing at all about giving up what little bit of life I have to go to school, <laughs> because says, we, all know, <laughs> we all know I have the most exciting personal life. <laughs> yeah, what, you have like a half an hour every seven days or something, right? <laughs> yeah, and- that time's committed to my dogs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're too cute to say no to. <laughs> they do that on purpose. So you were with the National Guard. Are you still with them? I am. I am three and a half years out from retirement. Um, I joined at 17. So my parents had to sign a waiver for me to join. And I mean... It's interesting looking back at when I joined and where I am now because the 
whole reason I joined the National Guard was Hurricane Katrina. It had occurred the year before, and the National Guard had such a huge presence. And so I joined in 2006, and I went on my first response in 2014. I mean, it took a long time to get there. Wow. But now I'm working in this field, and it's like, wow, all those years ago, when mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to be a marine biologist or a park ranger, mm-hmm. deep down, emergency mm-hmm. management was my calling. Right. You know, I I can't believe Katrina was that long ago. It feels like it was yeah. just yesterday. And we're still learning oh, from my Katrina. Goodness. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So when when you say you're gonna retire, you're gonna retire like after having been there for five years or something, right? I mean, come on, you look like you're about 15, Monica. <laughs> you can't be that old. <laughs> I will retire with 20 years of service. Holy a little moly. over eight of that will be active duty time with the National Guard wow. because of my previous position. But yeah, thanks. Wow. I I am so happy when people card me because yes. you gotta think from the military. I am old. I'm a grandma in the military. Oh, these that's kids, funny. These kids show up. Yeah. They're 17, 18. Yeah. They're talking about all this social media stuff and making these TikTok videos. And I'm just like, oh, here's my pad and paper. Like my I know. Well, I know. paper and pen. And I'm I just know. like, oh, man, I'm old. TikTok, <laughs> I'm thinking grandfather clock, you know? <laughs> I know. Absolutely. Yeah. During our COVID responses, when it really hit me that I was old, oh, I and know. I, know. I had a team of, I want to say, 20 younger kids brand new to the military. And well, I started treating them like my kids. They had yeah. snacks yeah. all kinds of time, oh, like snack God. time. Yep. And then I made sure they had their favorite drinks every okay. time they came back from a mission. That helps. Absolutely. <laughs> Treat and them like they're kids. Absolutely. Yep, fully embraced being the mom slash grandma of the team. <laughs> so how on earth did you get to Curry County? So with my previous job. Uh, I used to travel all the time training disaster response teams. And I came to Oregon in July of 2019 to work with the team here uh, up in Astoria. And all my coworkers had been to Oregon like, it's amazing. You'll love it. And I was like, I guess if it's so amazing, I should take a week's worth of vacation and travel. So, you know, I did what every sane American does and built an amazing vacation without actually building in any time to relax. So I went down the coastline. I went to the Redwoods. Then I went up through the caves. I went to Crater Lake. I went to the Lava Tubes. I hit up all the wineries. I went to that really beautiful waterfall up by Portland. Yeah. And I actually spent my very first night of vacation here in Gold Beach And had dinner at Spinner's, spoiled myself by walking on the beach and fell in love with it. And I'm like, man, these people are so lucky. And then I got to come back to Oregon a few more times for work. And I was finishing up my first semester with school. And the program just really motivated me. Like my course was on social vulnerabilities. And it's just like there is so much that can be done to protect people and reduce the impact on people, especially for those populations that everyone forgets about. And I started applying for jobs in Oregon and Washington. 
Hmm. And in April, I want to say, I heard back from Curry County, interviewed mm-hmm. in June, and moved here in July. So two years after my wow. first trip to Oregon, wow. I made the move. Wow. Wow. Well, we're we're glad you did, obviously. We're glad you did. <laughs> but, you know, thinking about vulnerable people, um, that that is kind of the reality because Curry County has got a lot of senior citizens. I mean, I, I was looking at the statistics the other day and there's, I don't know, 35, 40% of the population is above 50. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people. And I don't know about everybody else, but, you know, I, I started noticing that, that my physicality started declining. You know, you get to be 55, 60, you can't quite do the things that you used to be able to do. Your endurance isn't quite as strong as it used to be. And, you know, and it's, uh, it's a population vulnerability. Absolutely. It is. And I mean, depending on which reports you read and who did the research, but there is a report out there that when you look at the percentage of our population that is of a retirement age, mm-hmm. We're in the top 10 counties for the nation wow. because we have a small small population, but so much of our population is of a retirement age. Right. And right. I mean, you've got to think about all that uh, when we're thinking about shelters, evacuations, everything. I yeah. mean, this is a retirement county. Everyone yes. wants to retire on the beach. Yes. I mean. Right. Right. The rest of the nation they think when you want to retire on the beach or thinking like florida you know you're out there in the sun but they've never seen curry county it is beautiful and when you come here you get sucked in because you don't want to stop looking at it no that's absolutely (laughs) true (laughs) in fact i i went i i went over to a friend's house a few months ago and and she literally lives right on the on the edge of the cliff right and I said, you know, I, I couldn't live in this house because if I did, I would never get anything done. I would spend my entire time looking out there at those waves and the birds that are doing all of the cartwheels and stuff that they're doing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't get anything done. <laughs> it would be bad. So when you came here, you were under, initially under the sheriff's department, right? Correct. Uh, In Oregon, about half of the counties have their emergency managers under the sheriff's office, while the other half report to the board of commissioners. And there isn't really a right or wrong place to put emergency managers. A lot of it depends on what you want that program to focus on, because emergency management is such a vast field that in other counties where their emergency managers fall under the sheriff's office, Several of them are deputies themselves that just Mm. happen to cover down on the emergency management program, Mm. but they focus a lot on the response side of it. And they can do that because they have strong programs throughout their county to cover down on everything else, such as public health, public administration. We don't have all that here in Curry County, but at the same time, a month ago, when they moved my department to report to the Board of Commissioners, we moved right after the state did the same exact move. 
Hmm. Previously, emergency management reported to the Department of Military, which is the response department right. for the state. Right. And now emergency management is a standalone department reporting directly to the governor because people are starting to realize that there is so much more to emergency management outside of that response. Yeah, because re response is after it's happened, right? Which is, yes. I mean, it, it's obviously you have to respond if there's an emergency, but there's so much more that can happen beforehand, right? Yes, and the response is such a tiny fraction of what my job is. During a response, I coordinate stuff. That is, put it simple, I coordinate resources, people, needs, everything. But I do that at a strategic level for the county. Outside of a response, I have to look into planning. I have to look into projects for mitigation and preparedness. I have to try to build relationships with all the stakeholders in our county and outside our county mm. so that we actually have people to lean on in the preparedness and mitigation response, recovery. I mean, those are the four phases of emergency management, but the more effort you put into your preparedness and mitigation, the less you have to do response for response and recovery because there's going to be less damage. There's going to be less right. devastation. You can actually get through the response quicker and move into recovery and get your community through recovery quicker. So what does preparedness look like? What, what does that encompass? So preparedness, you can look at community preparedness versus individual preparedness. As an individual, it's your go bags and having all your documents lined out. As a community, it's caches, like um, the connexes that you see in other counties are full of supplies, shelter agreements, and um, it's all about, it's gonna, you're approaching it as it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. What can I do to get through it? Right, right. Unlike mitigation, where we're actually trying to reduce the impact of the hazard. So that's reinforcing bridges, seismic retrofits on buildings and mm -hmm. on reservoirs, coming with, up with alternate water supplies, mm -hmm. fixing our infrastructure. That's all mitigation. And this year we're... Uh, we wrote a hazard mitigation plan and the ports were invited and they're actually stakeholders or jurisdictions in this plan because they are a lifeline for us. Yes. So let's pull our ports in yes. and see what we can do to protect them because I need resources coming by sea if we do not have airports or roads. No, absolutely. And and generally speaking, I mean, if if it's the Cascadia event that happens, um, the roads are gone. I mean, that's, we just have to assume that the roads are gone. Yes. Assume the roads are gone and it doesn't even, like, a Cascadia event, even our ports will be gone. But this past June, I did a discussion-based exercise with our ports to discuss, hey, what do we need to do to open up beaches for you to start to receive resources at? And interesting. Biggest issue, debris clearance. We will have to have equipment to clear the debris off those beaches. As soon as it's clear, wow. the Navy and our ports can figure it out. Wow. But as 
a county, we have right. to figure out how we're going to clear those beaches. Wow. It's a great exercise. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I can see why you would be fascinated by this because it, it is fascinating, you know? I mean, I, I don't think any of us really like to think about disasters. Um, we have a tendency to, you know, oh, let's just ignore this, right? It's probably not going to happen, so let's just ignore it. But but when you do start thinking about, okay, it's going to happen, and then and then get involved in the planning, that, that's actually kind of exciting. It is. I mean, my job is literally plan for the end of the world, and then in those plans, <laughs> how are we going to stop the end of the world? Wow. When you approach it that way, because I, I learned with all the disasters I've been to is that I cannot connect too much with the disaster because it gets to you. It is all right. a self-coping mechanism of looking at it as a puzzle. Right. I approach everything as a puzzle because mm -hmm. I want to complete the puzzle. Right. Downside is, is that there is actually no 100% right or wrong answer right. <laughs> with my puzzle. Right. Um, and just the relationships and coordination that I've been able to build in this county, it's been amazing just watching this program start to grow. Well, and I think that relationships are always the most important part um, of anything, building, building anything. It's, it's all about the relationships that you develop with people. That's what makes anything work. Um, so, how do, do we actually have a plan, Monica? <laughs> because so I have this hoodie, right? It's one of my favorite ones. And, and it says on it, Brookings evacuation plan, run like hell. And I got it because I thought it was kind of funny. But on the other hand, it's not really funny because I don't think there is another plan. I mean, that that to me feels like it could be the truth, um, which is a little bit intimidating, right? <laughs> you know, because I, I can't run like I used to run when I was in my 30s or 40s. Do we actually have a freaking plan? So technically on paper, yeah. there is a plan. But oh, that's excellent. But, but. I hear the but, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Our plan is more of a glossary. <laughs> a glossary? So it does a great job of like explaining what disasters are and what our hazards are. But when you get down into the nitty gritty of who actually has the authority to do what and who is bringing what to the response, not, so not, not really there. Wow. But... Wow. I mean, we're getting there. I have mm. actually been working on uh, the basic plan of the emergency operations plan. Gets confusing, but the basic plan is just our general overall. Who has the authority for what? How do we activate the emergency operations center? Who can declare disasters? Mm. And then you kind of deep dive later into mm. the specific incidents that we can encounter here in the county. But, um, and that's where the separation between emergency management and the 
emergency services, which are more your first responders, mm -hmm. is I am their support and public administration peer to the first responders. So pretty much the first responders come up with their plan and I help put it on paper mm -hmm. and make sure that we actually have something that can be audited as well as tested because everyone may know in their head what we're supposed to be doing. But if it's not on paper, there is nothing saying that, hey, our key guys are out and the rest of us are just sitting here like, um, who wants to be the boss? Right. Who wants to take lead on this response? What are we right. supposed to be doing right now? Right. That's why you always put everything on paper. Right. And from my point of view, it gives the public something to see that their government is doing something. We are doing our jobs and we're building these plans. And not only are we building plans, but we're going to build thorough and accurate and detailed plans to facilitate a response in this county. Because it's not really enough to just be able to define a mass casualty event. I mean, it's no. great. I mean, that's that's great. <laughs> now the, Now we know whether it qualifies as a mass casualty event or not, but there's then there's the whole world of what do we do about it. Exactly. And so we're going to move past defining. We're mm -hmm. actually going to have a plan. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to build out these annexes, which you have to think about. An annex is a chapter about a specific threat or incident that we could be responding to. Okay. And these annexes, we're going to have a lot of them mm -hmm. because there may be some similarities in how a response occurs, but at the same time, everything's going to have differences. So why not identify those differences now? I mean, come on. It's Curry County. We are so easily isolated. Oh, we so, have a yeah. major lack in resources in this county. Yeah. And I mean, our fire departments are mostly volunteer, so we cannot rely 100% on the capabilities and resources that the state says that we're supposed to have. Because until they come down here and actually see it, or, you know, right. give us more money. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> we're we're going to build plans for legitimately what we have and what we are capable of doing. And these plans will also show the rest of the state, hey, we're honest with ourselves. Because yep. that's a downfall is when people are building plans, they go off of what they think mm -hmm. is going to be here and accessible. They're not honest with themselves. Mm -hmm. And that creates a vulnerability in their community. Mm -hmm. I actually just yesterday had a meeting with FEMA and we were identified as having a best practice in one of our plans. And I told him, it's like, well, it's because we didn't lie to ourselves. When we stop wow. lying to ourselves about what's actually here and what we're able to do, uh -huh. and we start admitting our weaknesses or our failed maintenance on equipment that got us to this right. situation, right. then we can actually have some usable plans. It's interesting to me because you would think that there would be federal funding and state funding, you know, that, I mean, we are a county 
in the state of Oregon. So, so you'd imagine that the state of Oregon would care at least a little bit about its stepchild in the southwestern corner. But, you know, I, I would suppose that if we haven't been making noise about what we need or that, that they have just kind of forgotten that we're here. That is an issue that I've been trying to address with the state with FEMA is first, we we're just flying under the radar. We're doing the bare minimum in emergency management just to keep this position funded. Wow. Because FEMA pays 50% of my position. Hmm. Just the position, not the program. Um, wow. So we've done the bare minimum just mm-hmm. to get by. But we never really came to the game Mm-hmm. When they were building state and federal plans, mm-hmm. Curry County was invited. They were asked to provide information. We never did. So mm-hmm. when you look at all these other plans outside mm-hmm. the county, they put Curry County at the bottom of the list. And it's because we didn't want to participate. So when we don't participate, we just kind of get written off because, well, of well Curry County wants to go do their own thing. Yeah. But I've been very loud about it recently. Good. And yeah. I mean, not making the most friends out there, but. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you have to say, hey, we're here and, you know, we haven't we haven't been playing at the top of our game, but we're here and we need to now start playing. Yes. And as I tell them, it's like, hey, we may not have a strong program. But Curry County has a strong emergency manager now, and I'm coming to get all the money and all the resources because, well, I want them. Yeah, And I need them more than anyone else. And part of the reason that we are starting to get grants now is I am completely honest with the feds on, hey, I have a high percentage of vulnerable populations in my county. I don't have resources. We don't have capabilities. I need your money and your help to fix this. Yep, exactly. All they've ever wanted was transparency. Yep. And when governments and especially emergency management programs are not transparent, it leads to casualties and fatalities during a response because no one actually knew what was going on. And, you know, and it's important to remember that you know, we, we can talk about casualties and fatalities, but, but what we're really talking about is my life or my next door neighbor's life, our lives, because, I mean, we're not just numbers. We're actual, you know, people. So, so Monica, I know that we're behind uh, in terms of our emergency management preparations and stuff. How... How far behind are we, really? So, when it comes to... (laughs) Hate to put you on the spot here, girl. (laughs) When it comes to program implementation and all the processes and plans that we should have in place, Mm -hmm. I would say we are probably between six and ten years behind everyone. Oh, Um, dear. (laughs) <laughs> that timeline, I mean, 
it depends a lot on participation from the stakeholders, right. uh, support for emergency management, right. and just getting the products knocked out. It's very time consuming. Mm-hmm. We, but we're way behind right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, but at the same time, I do everything by the book, and the book is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. We write plans, we test them, we identify our shortfalls, and then we fix our plans. If you go the right process, we'll actually have a legitimate document that we can use that's published versus something that we're just like, oh, man, it turned out to be more like a glossary. Oops. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Not a good look. That's not a good look. So so your plan and, and you obviously have to come up with a lot of contingencies because, I mean, I would think that that, for instance, a Cascadia event while it might have some similarities to a wildfire burning through town, it probably is not exactly the same and the response isn't going to be exactly the same. And, and, you know, and we have all these, you know, kind of cute things like we've only got one road in and one road out. I mean, you know, those are some real problems. Just thinking. Yep. We are quite unique here in Curry <laughs> County. Um, but at the same time, I love it. One, job security, because the constant change in this county means that I've always got to be on my toes coming yes. up with a new approach. Yes. And two, I mean, only one road in and out. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to deal with a lot of the stuff that other counties do. It's yeah. nice being isolated. Right. But, except <laughs> except well, you got to be able to get out. <laughs> that is something that people fail to recognize when they're thinking about how easily we can become isolated in Curry County. Mm-hmm. All we need is a bridge to go. We need a landslide, mm-hmm. a wildfire that's blocking the road. We're stranded. Yep. But we know that we live here because we don't want to deal with the major cities and we don't right. want to deal with the hustle and bustle of larger communities. Right. Most of us know how to live without all the amenities right. that you find in those larger jurisdictions. Right. right. So we're already kind of borderline wanting to be preppers here in Curry County. Right. It's just getting the guidance to go in the right direction. But we need to use that to our benefit when we're looking at this as our community we like to be alone. Right. I mean, gorgeous view without all the craziness of an urban area. Right. Right. I'll take this any day over that. Yep. Yep. So if if you if you have a plan in place, um, then I would think that the next step would be to train. Or are you are you training responders already? So when it comes to your first responders, they already have their own set of training requirements. Mm -hmm. And those are closely monitored by their state and federal um, parent agencies. Mm -hmm. But for emergency management, we are starting pretty close to scratch with training in this county because everyone is always just focused on the first response type work Mm -hmm. out there putting out the wildfire. But what about the emergency operations center that should be staffed by your county and city employees, Mm -hmm. as well as some of the major stakeholders in the county of, hey, 
we need shelters here. We need this for the shelters. This group over here, they're getting kind of isolated. Let's get some stuff to them. Stuff, real technical term, but yes. my favorite term. Food, water, <laughs> stuff, blankets. resources. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they're worried about tactical. We're mm -hmm. thinking strategic. Right. And we were thinking recovery. We're not right. stopped just at that incident. We're thinking, hey, how do we get our community back on track to be through recovery. Right. And we start requesting those resources and putting those plans together because honestly, you can plan for recovery and just have a base plan. But until an incident occurs, you don't actually know what you're going to need no, for exactly. that recovery. Exactly. So I have been working very closely with the county staff to develop and implement an emergency operations center structure where mm -hmm. the departments have actually volunteered for positions in the EOC. Great. And they have started training. Mm -hmm. They went through a large exercise this past June. And it was a Cascadia exercise with mm -hmm. all those islands that we're going to deal with because our bridges are out. Wow. And they had to assess where would we put our community caches? Mm -hmm. What do we need in those community caches? Mm -hmm. Because what they need up in North County isn't needed in South County. I mean, Brookings, for the most part, is out of the tsunami inundation zone right. versus Port Orford is right there. 90% in the yeah. inundation zone. Yeah. So they had to do a lot of that assessment, but we did a day shift and a night shift mm -hmm. so that we got two groups of people trained and we're going to do a few more exercises this year because they have a big exercise in next June. Good, good. Yeah, because I don't think, I, I, I mean, I, you know, and I'm perfectly willing to say that I've had my head stuck in the sand like an ostrich um, because I don't want to think about the disasters. I mean, I, I just, I don't, right? I mean, we, we have got so much, just normal everyday life takes so much out of us that, you know, who's got time to think about disasters, right? But, but the reality is that I have no clue. I have no clue. And I, you know, I woke up this morning and that the sunshine had a funny yellow glow to it. And I know that glow. I, that, that is forever impressed upon my brain since the Chetco Bar fire. I know what that glow means. Um, and I'm thinking, all right, so if there, if there is a fire close and coming, what do I do? Do I have my plan? No, I clearly don't have my plan. I have a kind of go bag that, you know, probably has a, I'm thinking it's got a first aid kit in it. I'm hoping and maybe a dog bowl, um, you know, for water for my dog. But, but basically I don't think I'm ready. I, you know, and it, it just kind of, again, was, wow, you just need to start paying attention because we're not out of fire season at this point. Not at all. It's just starting right now. Because I we mean, had so much rain so late. Yeah. I mean, if you look at last year's acres burned compared to this year's at this point in the season, we're at nothing compared to then. But at the same time, who knows how long we're going to go without rain. Right. I mean, and then evacuations... I mean, the Rum Creek 
residents, they yesterday they received notice like, hey, be ready. And then shortly later, like, get out now. And I, I saw mean, that on Facebook. Just like that. that was on Facebook, yep. right? It was like yep. the get out now thing. Yes. And sadly, Facebook has become one of our number one platforms outside of Everbridge because everyone's on Facebook and you yep. can just share the message over and over again. And yep. eventually it'll get to someone that's supposed to be seeing it. Yep. So yep. Everbridge, it's great, but we require people to sign up for it. Right. There is the wireless emergency alerts, but you only use those in a life-threatening situation because you will lead your population to becoming fatigued from yes. all the alerts. Yeah. And you see it all the time with hurricanes and during tornado season, people get tired of seeing the alerts yep. and, and then they, start they just stop it. responding. Yeah. Yep. They ignore it. <laughs> Joplin, yeah. Missouri, that tornado was so devastating because the tornado sirens had been going off for days leading up to that tornado. Uh, People walked outside and like all of us from the Midwest, we look up to the sky and we're like, I think it's going to skip me. And we go back inside. Oh, God. <laughs> As an emergency manager, I am recommending against that. Yes. Take guidance from the alerts. <laughs> right. Because yeah. we are not meteorologists. We are not the professionals when it comes to reading these things. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. the Rum Creek Fire... Now they're saying it quadrupled in size overnight oh. because the winds pushed it south. That's yeah, how and the winds quickly were blowing. these things can change. Yeah, and the winds were yep. blowing like crazy this morning. And that was what happened with the Checo Bar fire. I mean, it was it was coming at us, and it was because of the, the, the Checo effect was blowing it in. And, you know, by the grace of God, the wind stopped, and... I mean, it was five miles from our town, five miles. Yeah. So, yeah, it's um, we just we just can't we just can't ignore it. We can't pretend that it's not going to get us. Yep. And because, there's yeah. two things that I'd like to hit on with that is first, there's an amazing book out there. If anyone gets a chance to read it, uh, someone had done a study on subconscious biases that lead to you being underprepared. And the number one bias is it's not going to happen here mm -hmm. slash it's not going to happen in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And second, your go bags are critical. We live in a high hazard area. High hazard, low probability, but it's still probable to occur here. So in addition to your go bags, make sure that you also have your financial documents birth certificates, social security cards, things that you really don't want to get lost during mm -hmm. a disaster, especially a wildfire. But something I learned from our partners up north, one of their emergency managers is a Paradise Fire survivor. Mm -hmm. And they recommend going through your house and taking a video of everything you have there. Oh, that's Because a great I don't know idea. about you guys, I don't have receipts for my mattress, my bed, anything nope. like that that I purchased. No. Nope. But- Video evidence will help support your claims for insurance and FEMA. And you've got to think, man, they're making this so difficult. They just don't want to give us our money. Mm -hmm. But in the, you also have to think how many people have abused the program mm -hmm. to where now they have to be more strict and require more documentation to get your reimbursements right. because others 
were bad and yes. we're all being punished yes. for it. And that's it usually the way it works. Yes. Mom and dad yes. are punishing us all yes. Yes. because the youngest child did something naughty. Yes, that exactly. is exactly what this is. But actually doing a video of your of your possessions is a great idea. It doesn't take that long to do. I'm thinking I could walk through my house in, you know, 15 minutes and get a decent video. And it also does a great job of showing the condition mm -hmm. of your property mm -hmm. because they can come back and be like, well, your house was 60 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I recently remodeled right. it. Look exactly. at my gorgeous home. Yeah, uh, exactly. You can show that it's actually maintained so that they can't really pull funding right. from you. Right, right. So trained responders, um, I, would I would think that there would be drills for personnel um, and I'm thinking communication for citizens because uh, I don't I don't know that there's a lot of stuff that's available for me to read about or hear about or or whatever so that I would know what to do. So step one, um, yes, we are doing drills with the personnel here in the county. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone's just got to remember is we're starting from scratch. Yep. So we're doing a lot of the behind the scenes work. That way, when we start to pull the public into our drills, mm -hmm. we know what we're doing. Right. And it's the public that's being drilled as well. Right. Because if we try to pull everyone together at the same time, I mean, yeah, it's going to yeah. be like bringing five kindergarten classes together and there's ice cream in the middle. <laughs> it's going to be in intense. Yes. <laughs> well, and really somebody has to know what they're doing, right? I mean, somebody's yes, got to know. Yeah. It's the teacher that got trampled for yes. the ice cream. Like <laughs> the That's person bad. in charge is yeah. usually background noise. Right. Right. Um, But we have been working on public education products uh, I partnered with Coos County this spring, and we spent weeks updating an Are You Ready Preparedness Guide. Excellent. And Coos County has had it for a while. We updated it for the Southern Oregon Coast, mm -hmm. but we added so much information to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there we included a pet go bag checklist. Oh, we wow. have checklists for your go bag, how to build family plans. And then right in the middle of the book, there is a 20-week guide on how to purchase two to four weeks worth of food. Because oh. being a coastal community mm -hmm. during a major earthquake, it could be four weeks before we start getting food resupply here. So having four to two to four weeks. Mm -hmm. The rest of the state, they say two weeks ready. There's a huge push right now for it to say four weeks coastal ready mm -hmm. so curry county we're, we're going to try to get ahead of everyone and encourage you to do four weeks if ready. we've lost our roads how are they going to get to us so it depends on who you ask at the state and federal level mm -hmm. um plan a is fly stuff in okay and i can't where are really they going to land they're going to land at cape blanco but they don't uh, actually have, uh, yeah, up north in sixes. Yep. <laughs> but that's way far away from us. Yes. And they can actually fly in some big pieces of equipment there. Okay. But they don't plan to rebuild our roads going south. They plan on building them north into Coos County. 
but, and but, reconnecting with I five. Yes, but but, so. but. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, "We'll fly stuff from helicopter," and I was like, "That's cool." Mm-hmm. Are you gonna fly me a dozer <laughs> on a helicopter <laughs> because I need stuff to right. handle debris management? Yeah. And then the Navy's like, we're coming at like six weeks, but we're going to Newport and then we'll fly stuff out of Newport. And I was just like, um, excuse me. So I know that I'm the little county in the room, but yeah. Are you telling me that we might as well just fall into the ocean because you don't care? <laughs> did you actually say that? Because that's brilliant. <laughs> I did not put it in those terms. Okay, but, the, I, but it was clear. Yeah. I've made it clear that their plans don't yeah. align. Like, right. for example, flying into Cape Blanco, that plan didn't realize that they never planned to actually rebuild going south. It's going to take them five or six years to rebuild coming from the I-5 up through southern Curry oh, and going north. Word. Because Humbug Mountain is nothing but landslides. So oh, you got to think. That whole mountainside's mm-hmm. gonna come down. Mm-hmm. Right. Luckily, Roadmaster and I have been talking about back roads and Thank you, how Rich. we're gonna clear stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like we're on the same page. Good. The feds and the state can have their plan, but Curry County, we're gonna come up with our Good. own backup plan. That's but at the same great. time, we can't move that much that way. No. So I have been poking and prodding mm-hmm. the state and feds. We didn't exercise in June with the ports. It was a discussion-based exercise. And we Mm -hmm. were talking about, hey, how are we going to receive resources through our ports? Because, Mm -hmm. well, our ports are going to be gone. Don't know if anyone's ever looked at it, but hey, our ports are on water and there's a big tsunami coming after a giant earthquake. So our ports are going to be destroyed. Wow. And Now, I'm I'm not sure that I've actually (laughs) ever really thought about that. The ports will be gone. Wow. Okay, then what? Then the Navy did this amazing assessment on where they would land craft on beaches. And we're just like, oh, but you didn't assess all of our beaches because we think there's some better beaches. So during our exercise in June, we're like, hey, Navy, come with us. So the Navy came to our exercise. The Coast Guard was at our exercise. And we had a very open discussion on, hey, Curry County needs help. Coos yeah. County was there too. It was great. We did a joint exercise. Yep. They had their ports there. We had, great. well, ports represented. And we just talked out like, hey, we will be able to figure out how to get stuff onto the beaches and disperse it. But the problem is clearing the beaches because you've got to think about where the majority of our resources are. Mm-hmm. How are we going to clear them? Mm-hmm. Because the dozers, they're going to land those up in Cape Blanco, but they don't need them up there. Right, How are exactly. we going to get them in South County? How are we going to get them in Central County? Exactly. I can imagine what those beaches are going to look like, right? Because all of the houses and everything that are on the beaches, I mean, all of that debris. What a mess. If you want to find imagery, just look up the Japan earthquake yeah. and tsunami. Yep. And although there's widespread devastation, guess what? They survived it. Yes. Curry County can survive this big, scary event. Yes, it's going to be scary. 
it's going to be such a pain to deal with. But guess what? We can survive it. Yeah. Because we are resilient. Yeah. As a species, we are resilient. We just have to stop letting others tell us it's not survivable or right. scare us. Right. It'll be scary. Yes. Right. But we got this. We and, will get And especially if County. we have a plan, right? I mean, that's yes. <laughs> if we just have a plan, <laughs> that yes. will, that will, that'll really help a lot, I think. <laughs> yes. And we're slowly building those plans. Everything takes time because you right. have to bring everyone together. You have to talk about it. You have to right. document everything. But we are getting there. And it's exciting to watch the momentum build. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're doing another tabletop exercise uh, which is that discussion exercise in June with the road department Great. and others on just debris management in general. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to do a big exercise. Can't give too many details because mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of players, right. but it's going to be big. Good. And following our last exercises, the, the participants were motivated to Great. learn more. Do right. more. And that's what I want to see is the momentum of this program moving forward. Because if we can get your responders and all your county and city staff on board yep. in the community, you guys are going to feel that excitement right. because we're doing things. Right. Curry exactly. County is doing things. Exactly. Like, what? So we are on the radar. Where does the, the majority of your funding come from? FEMA? Is that where it's? So... My position is 50% funded mm -hmm. through a FEMA grant mm -hmm. to the state called e EMPG, mm -hmm. Emergency Management, uh, forget what the P stands for, but it's a grant. Yeah, there um, we go. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, when you look it up, everyone changes out the P with something else. Yeah. But Oregon has decided to use that funding by giving... Curry County, $68,000. That's mm. all we get. Wow. And that's how they help fund my position. Okay. As well as some of the basics on, oh, she needs paper. Okay. <laughs> so, so there's only one person in your department. That's you? Correct. Okay, Just then. So you're yep. on 24-7, 365 days a year. I am. And if I leave wow. the county, for example, I have National Guard requirements. I went home for my graduation. I have to get agreements in place with Coos County or Josephine County, Jackson County. I have to have emergency managers willing to be on call to come to Curry County to help in the case of an emergency because I have no one to help. I don't get vacations right now because I am I'm that anxious that something is going to occur because I feel like it's my duty to the county, to our community, to make sure that they're taken care of in the event. Okay, of an I, emergency. I don't even know what to think about that, right? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I know. I know. I mean, there really isn't anything to say. It's Curry County, and that's kind of the way it is. So I am working to get grants or outside Good. funding to right. help bring someone on board because at the same time like bringing someone on board not only does that help me but i want to bring someone from the community and train them in this career field yes and yes. eventually replace me yeah they are my replacement plan yep. and then they can bring someone else yep. in yep. and train them yep. because 
we shouldn't have to bring people from outside the community to do these no, jobs. Exactly. We've got plenty you, of people here that, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, so yeah. Monica, I, I hate to tell you this. Um, <laughs> we've just about run out of time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that happens, right? I have no idea. Um, so, Obviously, you know, we talked about people doing a video of their of their contents of their house and their home and stuff like that. Um, and there's go bags that they can put together and you've got a leaflet that's going to be in the city hall Brookings pretty soon. Is there any like last minute information or anything you want to say last minute? First. I'm open to input and advice from the community. You all have lived here longer than me. You all know the ins and outs of this county. I can only learn so much working in this office. Got it. And the more information I receive from the community, the better my plans will be. Yep. And two, do not panic purchase or Buy the expensive stuff, I'll say, for your go bags mm -hmm. because you can strategically plan out what you're going to put in these go bags so that when items start expiring, you're not having to repurchase everything at the same exact time. Great. So when you're putting food in there, put food in that you already eat. Like I eat a lot of tuna packets because of my salads. So mm -hmm. I have tuna in my go bag and I just rotate it out and put in whatever I just bought at the grocery. So... Just take your time with building these bags, but make right. sure that you have something ready to go. And don't forget your dogs and your cats right. and their paperwork because they need it to go into the shelters. Yep. And follow me on Facebook. I share all kinds of information I love there. that. I love that. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's It's been absolutely wonderful. I've enjoyed every single second of it, and, and you've shared great information, and we will definitely have you back for updates as things progress. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. My guest today has been Monica Ward, the Emergency Operations Manager for Curry County. It's so easy to get lulled into complacency here. No really big earthquakes for a long time couple of forest fires that came close but didn't actually march into our towns. A few years since the highway between Brookings and the hospital in Gold Beach washed away, but any one of those scenarios can happen again this year. We need to be far more prepared than we currently are. This is Candace Michelle for Our Community. Our Community.